Are you getting divorced? Are you thinking of getting divorced? Or do you know somebody that is? We talk real estate and divorce. We marry them together. Stay tuned for this episode of KT Confidential. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ariel. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about your favorite topic. <laughs> Divorce. Oh, not listening to this. <laughs> Divorce in real estate. Been there, done that. Yeah. Been there, done that. Yeah, you can maybe speak to some personal experiences. You can edit this, right, Robbie? Yeah. Okay, good. We are getting a lot of calls right now. Mm -hmm. The team is dealing with a lot of different circumstances right now. I think everyone has now, haven't they? Pretty close. A lot of people getting divorced. Yes. COVID drove them crazy. COVID crazy. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what happens in your investments and specifically real estate when getting divorced. It's, it's difficult because typically homes and assets have been built together and sometimes people don't feel the same when it's Time to go your separate ways. Before we get into the nitty gritty, so I'm going to throw out some topics and I see you have some notes too. So we'll chat about some specific things. But what I will say, I will ask anybody that's watching or listening that has experienced selling property, specifically selling property whether it's your primary residence or more specifically, I'd be interested in hearing from those that have sold investment properties, mm -hmm. especially ones that are tenanted mm. during a divorce. Mm -hmm. So if you've experienced that, leave us a comment, let us know if you have any tips or, or any horror stories. We'll call it guidance. Guidance. Yeah, yeah. We'll call it guidance. Okay. So where do you want to start? Throw it out there. Let's just start chatting, the experience. So the first thing I think that happens is, and the first note that I made here was the emotional impact. Mm -hmm. I think what happens is there is an emotional attachment to that home, especially if you're, like if you're selling your primary residence. For some, yeah, for sure. Maybe some good emotion, maybe some bad. Mm -hmm. I've experienced both, yeah, absolutely. But if you have kids, mm -hmm. as an example, if you've lived in the home for 10 years, you have children, maybe you have a pet, the kids were born into that house, and now you're going separate ways, there's memories that were created in that home, right? The kids were raised in that home, now... They've gone through many Christmases or, or special events, special holidays. Um, so there is a bit of a an emotional connection to that property, which gets involved in the big picture of liquidating their assets, essentially. Yeah, and the emotion, I think, adds an entirely different layer. Um, I had an experience probably two years ago now, um, one of the... Um, individual selling the home had been in the home 30 years and had raised his three daughters in the home. Um, and you 
it came to a point where the home had to be sold. So uh, hit a hit a trigger there, did I? Yeah, bad on me. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the emotional component of the home, which was um, very much experienced by one of the individuals and not the other, who was newly um, brought into the home, was pretty significant, and it presented some challenges for sure. So you've gone through the process of helping people sell during that time in their lives. I've had probably four that I've helped and uh, done it personally as well. So what would be what would be some tips, some advice, some guidance, as you put it? Yeah, understanding the entire situation. Um, if there is two people involved. You know, transparency and communication is, in my opinion, by far of the most utmost importance. Um, that and staying in your lane, okay? Because um, it's, you know, as we alluded to, very, very emotional. And when you have that emotional connection with people, they open up, okay? And some of the guidance they're looking for, some of the counsel they're looking for, isn't that that you should be providing, uh, especially in a professional manner. So you have to be very mindful of what you're saying, how you're saying, and who you're saying it to. Um, very important. Would you recommend that people get some kind of a mediator? Um, I, I, I think it depends on the circumstances. I've not worked with a mediator when it's come to selling a home. I think other assets and division of the estate perhaps, but I've not had the experience in selling the home. Um, so one of my first tips is if, if you're not on the same page about something regarding the property, usually it comes down to value. People are disagreeing as to what the value of the property is. And that can be up or down as well. I think it's important to point that out. One of the situations I worked with, um, one of the people was willing to sell at whatever price came in just to get out of the situation. Um, so there could have been a lot of money left yeah, on the table. Yeah, that could happen. Somebody's yeah. super pissed. I the, want out. And that's the, that's exactly the, the circumstances. The partner cheated on, on that person and uh, all of a sudden, no, I want the fuck out of here. And I don't care and at I what cost. I don't care. Yeah. You you listed at a dollar and the highest offer gets I'll it. take a dollar fifty. Right. Yeah. So... One of my tips to keep everything above water and to come to an agreement of a mutual agreement would be to, first of all, interview three, three different realtors, maybe even more, on an opinion of value. Mm -hmm. And even in the best of circumstances with the most generic home, you will still have a varying opinion from person to person, from realtor to realtor, as to what that property is actually worth in, especially in the current market. It gives you a range. Gives you a range. Where you should be thinking. Gives yeah. you a guideline. Yep. The other part of that equation is I would recommend you consider hiring separate agents to represent each of you as individuals. Not a lot of people know that you can do that. So there would be two listing brokerages, one representing each individual. I was in that circumstance where I helped a seller, 
And the one seller contacted me and said, I absolutely want to deal with you, but my partner does want their own representation. Is that possible? So luckily for me, the person that the other partner wanted to choose was a local realtor that I had done business with before and had a bit of a relationship with. So it was easy for me to have that conversation with them and to trust that the process was going to be followed through. I've not had that experience where um, each individual has been represented. I mean, it's it's great that it worked out, but I can see, um, depending on your communication styles and the situation you're involved with, it's, that can go, that can become very challenging very quickly, I would it, imagine. It, so the caveat to that kind of recommendation is you have to understand that not every realtor is going to be able to handle that transaction with another realtor at that capacity mm-hmm. and serve you both at their fullest capabilities because they may not see eye to eye on certain things and you actually might make the situation worse. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's not just the people who aren't seeing eye to eye, but the professionals nah. representing you right. not seeing eye to eye. Right. Whole different layer of dynamic there. So depending on the circumstances, um, there are instances where you could also ask one of the realtors if we were going to co-list our listing with you, who would you recommend outside of your brokerage at another brokerage? Who would you recommend we speak to that you believe you would be able to work with on a transaction like this Mm -hmm. and then go and interview a few of those agents. Mm -hmm. There are instances where it is best to have representation for yourself in in a divorce, Mm -hmm. in a separation. So that's, that's an option. Next tip was understand your mortgage, or let me broaden that, understand your debts. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have no clue. There's typically one driver for the financial components. That's exactly what I was just going to say. I I wouldn't even say your mortgage or your debt. I would would go above that even more and say your financial situation, because we see it all the time, even working with um, non-divorcing people. There's usually one driver of the finances. Right. And if the trust is there, the other person, quite literally, and I don't say this disrespectfully, has no clue. Right. Yeah. 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 Some people, well, in my household, I pay the all the mortgage payments and, and take care of all that. Natalie knows more or less what's going on, but doesn't have her finger on the pulse. And the trust is there with you to get it done, as opposed to with a divorcing right. couple, that trust quite often is out the window. Correct. Yeah. And in in my situation, if I was to get divorced, then a bunch of questions would probably come up mm. to catch her up onto what's been happening up until mm-hmm. this point, right? Yeah. So understanding debts, understanding finances, 
to your point earlier about communication and open communication. The word I have written is transparency. Transparency. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. You have to be transparent with each other. It's going to come out. Yeah. One way or another, whether you like it or not. That's true. The dirt will come out if there is any dirt. Yeah. So get it out all, all on the table. It will be much more cost effective if you deal with it on your own versus having lawyers have to settle things for you. And no offense to my lawyer friends that might be listening, but they do charge for every minute. And sometimes things take a little bit longer to have a result and they're getting paid during that process. Well, I'll speak to you of my personal example. This isn't client. This is me. What happened in our situation? Um, I was handling the finances and things like that. And when we did decide that we were going to move on, um, you know, explained everything, opened the books, but the trust was no longer there because, you know, we were separating, we were younger and more immature. So I had itemized everything and, you know, didn't know any better. We were going to split everything down the middle. Um, she had her counsel. I had my counsel. Her lawyer said, oh, that's, that's way too little. You know, you're, you're getting ripped off here. My lawyer said the exact, well, that's way too much. You know, you're paying way too much. So the conversation we had was, um, let's meet in the middle, which is what this is, because any argument that we have, they're getting paid. And what we think that we're putting in our pocket, we're not. It's going to lawyers. So transparency is key, but there also has to be a level of trust there as well. Not that first-time homebuyers will be listening much to this podcast, this episode of this podcast. <laughs> Shit, I hope they are listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But that's also something to consider when you're buying a home and potentially having contracts or even some verbal, well, verbal agreements can get washed out the window pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But I know a bunch of my clients, um, what do you call it? Um, when you move in together and you're a in a domestic agreement, some kind of a domestic yeah. agreement. There's a word. Um, Prenup. No. Um, anyway, uh, a domestic agreement of some sort that uh, spells everything out as to who's responsible for what. And if this, if shit hits the fan, what's happening? I think that's really, really important. And a lot of people go into it, um, especially at a younger age, you know, your early mid twenties, you're very, very naive. You're going to be together for the rest of your life. You haven't accumulated a lot of assets individually, but the older you get, and if you're on two or three homes, um, you know, that's very, very important. Now it becomes a sizable estate. That, and you know, if one person's been working so another person can advance their career, how does that factor in? As right. you get older, there's, there's many more things that have to be factored. And I think you have to look at it as a business transaction. It's not a, it's not an emotional thing that I think a lot of people tied it. Why are you doing this? You're trying to screw me. No, we're protecting each other. Is what's happening. That was my next tip was emotional detachment. We mm -hmm. kind of already chatted a bit about it. And that's so hard for people. So hard, especially things like homes. And I mean, like yourself, you know, I've purchased multiple primary and investment properties. To me, it's an investment, but a lot of people, they're very emotionally attached. When you got divorced, did you have any investment properties at that time? I did not. See, what a lot of people don't realize when they purchase investment properties is in the event of a divorce, that's probably the trickiest mm -hmm. piece of real estate 
to get out of, because especially if it's tenanted, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. now you're selling an asset that has a tenant in it. So you have to sell it with that tenant still there, most likely, unless you're paying them a god-awful amount of money mm-hmm. to get out, mm-hmm. which in this circumstance might be the best option. Yeah. Or you're trying to find an investor to buy it from you and take over that tenant. Or you're finding somebody that is simply going to believe the tenant will vacate because they are buying it for their primary residence. But it adds another level of trickiness to the component. Yeah. And then the taxes on any (laughs) capital gains are are significant and have to be paid. So is that all getting split 50-50? Well, every single point that we've talked about um, speaks to the importance of a professional, okay? Speaks to, you know, a, a third party, be it a mediator, be it a real estate professional, be it a, be it a lawyer, um, to make sure you're going through the process properly because it's, does Aaron it's listen? Components. Does Aaron listen to the podcast? I don't know. I guess you'll find out. When she sees that I'm on it, she will. <laughs> if you were getting divorced today, Darn you. (laughs) What would be your first, who would you be hiring? Who would you be sourcing? What would be your, because you've been through it before. So you already have Mm -hmm. a bit of a preconceived notion of what might transpire. And now you're helping other people through that part of their lives. Mm -hmm. So if if it was tables were turned and you were, I got a great answer, especially Let's with, hear with the seed in my head that, oh my goodness, she's going to listen to the, the first conversation would truthfully be with her. Um, you know, understanding what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and where her head is, where my head is. I think that starts the process as difficult as it is down the road on the right path. I mean, what happens down that path, who knows, but start the conversation with them, make the suggestion that they get a lawyer, I would get a lawyer. Uh, and then you go from there. But I think the conversation has to be with each other first. Uh, and then next, quite frankly, a lawyer. So step one, sit down with your partner, try and be transparent. What are we doing here? What are we doing? What's your goal now moving forward? What's yeah, my screw goal? You, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, I'm sure there's a lot of circumstances where one partner wants to, um, uh, and I've seen it. I've been in both where both people had agreed to work with me, but they didn't want to be in the same room with each other. Ooh. So you're having the same conversation with each individual. And one of them actually started, um, it was, I don't want to say him or her, I don't want to lead or anyway, but the opposite person who had reached out said to me, I don't want this person to be comfortable. You know, I don't want to give them any more than they, they need. Like it was, it started from such a dark spot, worked out very well financially for them both. Um, but it started out like this, you know, with fists up as opposed to something amicable that would have made life easier for everybody. And, and you truly do become a counselor, you know? Well, like you've said now, and you're now four years in the business and have done, done, uh, enough transactions where, you can you can see and feel and hear everything and 
you act as a as a realtor. You're acting as a bit of a therapist to. Well, I've to I've people. made that joke a number of times, and and a lot of people have said to me, even outside of divorce, how is it as as you know a realtor as a as a broker? And I've often said I I did not anticipate the therapy component of of this job. Yeah. And I think if you don't have the emotional intelligence to do it, especially when you start dealing with things like divorce and and you know estates and things like that. Um, you know, you can, you can really cause a lot of damage to an already delicate situation. Now I will say hiring the right realtor, if you're going to hire one or two, I don't care, but hiring the right one is an important part of any real estate transaction. But most importantly, if you're going through this, you're going to want somebody that A, knows what they're doing, mm -hmm. maximizes the value as best as they can, because you're going to experience a lot of expenses. Yeah. So you need to squeeze that lemon as much as possible. Showcase the hell out of that property to make sure you are getting the top dollar and that it actually sells. Yeah. Because there is nothing worse <laughs> Then if you're going through a divorce and now your home is on the market for three or four months, imagine that you're all still living in the same house. It's for sale. You are preparing every morning because it's teamwork again. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, you all have to play a part in getting the house ready for showings. And if that home is sitting on the market, sitting on the market. Well, we've all experienced it where, um, you know, the home takes a little bit longer to sell and the the emotion, the challenges, the the difficulty that people have with that, in a normal circumstance, you layer on. I hate looking in your face every day, and I can't wait to be gone from you. Right into the equation. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. And I mean, you know, somebody having a listing discussion or, or offering their assistance for um, a couple going through this. They can be the nicest person in the world. They can understand the local market. But if you don't like the way they communicate, if you have an uncomfortable feeling that they're swaying one person to another, like it's, it's very challenging, very, very challenging. So I took some of my notes about what we wanted to talk today and I threw it into chat GPT 4.0 and I'm going to run through what it had to say. A lot of it is actually stuff we've talked about. Tip number one, open communication. Despite the emotional turmoil, try to maintain open communication about the property, its worth, and any debts associated with it. That's a big job for a realtor to do. The realtor has to make sure they're doing that. I'll throw in a tip that isn't within these tips. Call the bank or your financial institution that any of the loans or mortgages that are attached to that property and find out not only your current active balance, yeah. but what is it going to cost to pay it all out? Are there any penalties? Are there any fees? Are there any administrative costs? All of those things, especially at today's rates, mm -hmm. those fees can be quite high. And I think it's important to make that phone call. Um, even though you think you know, make that phone call and hear it. And in get it in writing. Time. Yeah, in current time, in current situation, because it, it 
can add significant expense. It has changed dramatically mm-hmm. with the change in rates. Yeah. And it also changes from lender to lender. Yeah. Maybe if this was your first home and you had to go with a credit union versus a prime bank, maybe that credit union is charging you for a year of interest on your mortgage at 5%. At a posted rate, not a negotiated rate. Or maybe at a posted rate. Tip number two, neutral third party. Consider hiring a mediator or a counselor to facilitate discussions about the property. We kind of talked about that. I would say if need be. Um, I think, I think, you know, speaking from a, from a realtor's perspective, you have to be mature enough to understand when you need help. I mean, I wouldn't pull in a mediator, all these other people, um, cause it could potentially complicate things if things are going well, but you have to know when to pull the shoot. In an essence, a realtor is a bit of a mediator. Absolutely. And your lawyer is a bit of a counselor. They are. But stick to facts. I, I mean, I think that's the value that we add. We can speak to the market. We can speak to what's happening. We can speak to what we anticipate happening. Um, but stick to the facts. Take emotion out of it. Number three, hire separate agents. In some cases, it might be beneficial for each party to have their own real estate agent to represent their best interests. We chatted about that. It can muddy the waters. It can get gray. Try and find one realtor that you both are comfortable with. A good, qualified, professional realtor should be able to handle you both separately and together all at the same time. Yeah. I like in some cases, that sense. In some cases. Yeah. Understand your mortgage. Both parties should be clear on how much is owed on the home. Refinance possibilities. We didn't talk about that. And the consequences of default. Refinance possibilities and the consequences of default. These are interesting, Steve. What happens if somebody moves out of the house? It's been on the market for three months and either moves out or gets kicked out. Right. And now says, oh, well, screw you. I'm not paying my portion of the mortgage. And all of a sudden payments aren't being made. Also refinance possibilities. I have been in instances where I get the call. We're divorcing. Can you come over, talk to us about it? Can you give us a value? And then one spouse buys out the other spouse by refinancing that property and then paying the equity to that other spouse. One other scenario I'll throw on the table that occurred in one of the situations I was dealing Although with. Although at the current rates, good fucking luck. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and actually what I'm about to say, good luck with the current rates as well. Uh, one was going to purchase a property and wanted to port the rate. Yes. And the other was renting. Okay. But they needed the approval of the other. Oh, through, interesting. Through legal channels, give them permission to port um, because they were both on, on title, both on mortgage. One was going to buy, one was going to rent. So make sure you understand your options and make sure you understand the consequences of the options and the benefits. Yeah. Great point. Get an accurate home evaluation. Tip number five. This ensures you're working from the same financial baseline. I would say, yes, an accurate home evaluation is important, but what is accurate? Right. It's all in the control of the buyers. The buyers will determine what the value of your home is. So get a few opinions on an estimated value by a qualified professional realtor that knows their stuff. 
get a few options, sit down, review those options. I think you mentioned it to me. Can I talk about your cottage story when you bought your cottage? Sure. You had, a, you were buying it from a family member. Correct. And how do you buy a piece of real estate from a family member with mm -hmm. knowing nobody's getting screwed? So you had three values of opinion from realtors and you ended up settling in the middle somewhere. Yeah. So what we ended up doing, first we approached everyone that could have potentially been a stakeholder in the family and said, are you interested? As soon as there was nobody that was interested, um, we did go to three different realtors. We got three different opinions. We started negotiating from the one in the middle. Okay. So we, my opinion, we paid market value, but we were very transparent about the process because even though people didn't want to pay now, it potentially impacted the estate later, right? So, Decide on the profits or debts. Legally agree how the profits from the sale or debts will be split. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. I was just going to say, if there's, <laughs> if there's profits, the decisions would be very different than if there's debts. So good luck with that is right. Consider the timing. If the market is down, which it is now, mm -hmm. it might be worth waiting, if feasible. Yeah, good luck with that too. Conversely, if it's a seller's market, you may want to act quickly. So that's a good point because there are peaks and valleys in the market where right now we are in a bit of a buyer's market, but a year, a year and a half ago, it was more of a seller's market. And it's going to come back to being a seller's market. And you don't know at what point in your life transition is the real estate cycle going to happen. And it's un important to understand what cycle it is in. Yep. If your home is in demand, is it a, are you selling a farm with a farmhouse on it in the middle of, you know, Dundalk, Ontario? Or are you selling a two-story townhome in a great neighborhood in Milton are two very different discussions. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, when you're talking about selling, just for the the viewers and listeners, remember this, all of these things we're talking about also to apply to buying somebody out, you know, understanding where yes. we are in the market. Are we high? Are we low? Are we in the middle? Um, understand everything because- Robbie, make sure we put an asterisk in the uh, description that this is in no way, shape or form legal advice. That's right. Yeah. Um, consider the timing, emotional detachment, number eight, mm -hmm. try to view the home as a shared asset rather than a source of memories. We chatted about this. This can help in making rational decisions. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Number nine, staging the home. If one party has already moved out, consider staging the home to make it appealing to buyers. Sorry, this happened. You need to stage every home right now whether you're going through a divorce, whether everybody's living there or nobody's living there. Period. Agreed. In one of our upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about selling a home with a dog in it. We're going to have some dog topics coming up. Does that play a factor at all in, into this equation? Yes. We actually, are not specific to selling the home, but... You get half the dog. My, you get my, the you get the back half. My dog was actually in my separation agreement. Oh, really? And it didn't take much to negotiate, but it was a bit of a negotiating tip. So it's they need to be front and center of mind and not an afterthought, especially the emotional part. 
If yeah, you huge. have a dog or had a dog or a dog lover, you'll want to sit in and listen or watch where Steve, myself, Tiffany, and Jennifer will also be on the show. We're chatting everything dog. Number 10, protect your credit. Ensure all mortgage payments and associated bills are paid on time during the sale process. And that is a good tip because sometimes one partner, one spouse can get upset and maybe not be present or just want to get payback and say, fuck you, I'm not paying the visa this month. You Mm -hmm. pay it. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't get paid. Well, we see that often with couples that have separated or, you know, their credit reports are, are recently very poor for that exact reason. There's, you know, there's joint joint accounts, joint credit cards. Um, and if one person wants to screw another one. And unfortunately, I think we will see a little bit more of that over the next year with the high interest rates and unaffordability. Mm-hmm especially people that were on variable rates, all of a sudden the monthly mortgage payment went from two grand a month to 3,200 a month. Mm -hmm. So those were chat GPT 4.0 tips that kind of that that's impressive. That was kind of on very relevant, very relevant and on par with what we were already talking about. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? I don't just communicate, be transparent and good luck. (laughs) There you go. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. If you have gone through this divorce process or you have any tips, let's hear them. We want to know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.